Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. been with us, uh, we've been talking about the Song of Solomon. We've been walking through this this book, this amazing book of wisdom. It is in the book of wisdom. The Bible is broken up into history. You go Old Testament, it's history, wisdom, and so forth. And, 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 and so this section, this book, Song of Solomon, you find it in the wisdom section. So that means God is trying to give us some insight uh, onto how we should love not our friends. This is not brotherly and sisterly love. How you should love a spouse and, and how you should conduct yourself in the context of marriage. How do you deal with conflict? How do you, how do you court? How do you attract the right person? How, how do you have sex? How do you make love? And uh, week one, we kind of tackle, you know, uh, you know, the dating scene and, and how you attract the right mate. And, and then last week, we kind of talked about the courtship, you know, and how you pursue that person. And uh, women, if you are single, you are not to pursue. That is not biblical. The Bible clearly says when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing and finds favor. When a man finds a wife, not when a wife finds a husband, it's a man finds. So if I find, that means I have to be pursuing and looking. And I think that in this culture, it has been uh, okay for us to be outside of the Bible and women can look and women can propose. And I'm not, you know, knocking that if that's your thing. But when it comes to me, I'm all about the Bible and what the Bible says, because the Bible has been around much longer than you and I have. Amen, somebody. And so next week, what we'll talk about is how this couple deals with conflict, how they work through conflict, how they work through their mess. Today, we're going to talk about sex. I'm not going to hide behind it. Everything that I say is going to be completely scriptural. I'm not going to even normally, I love to share my stories. Uh-uh, not today. Today is all about Solomon and his woman, and what God approved of in their marriage. There will be points where it's a little bit juicy. It's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. It's going to make you feel a little whatever. But we're going we all adults here, right? We're going to have this conversation. I know some single people be like, well, I don't, you know, I'm single. This don't pertain, it pertains to everybody because you're not going to always be single. Uh, you, you may find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, and when you find Mr. or Mrs. Right, y'all going to consummate your marriage, and you need to know how to properly do that in God's eyes. Amen. 
Let us pray, and then I'm going to jump right into the Scripture. God, thank you so much for this day that you have made. We're rejoicing already. We are glad in it, God. We thank you for the rain because we know the rain is essential for things to grow. So, God, right now, if you would rain down your Holy Spirit into this sanctuary, bless it from the center to circumference so that when we leave this place, we have a better understanding of the beautiful gift that you've given us in making love with the spouse. We thank you for this gift of sex, God, and I pray that this word that I share as it pertains to this subject matter is authentic. I won't add or take away anything from it. You've already made it perfect. Use me, God, to share this word. Thank you for the license and permission to be your ambassador. I pray that it's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. My subject matter is great sex according to God. Great sex according to God. Now, now listen, I'm going to use that phrase several times today. I am going to say great sex, great sex. When I sent my notes to my wife, this is the only personal message I'm going to share with y'all today. When I sent the notes to my wife because she puts them in the worship guide that you have, my wife was like, you talk about sex a lot in this message. And I was like, well, I'm not talking about sex for my benefit. It's, It's scriptural. But when I say great sex, I want you to flip it in your mind because first thing you need to know is that great sex, great sex, amazingly great sex is God-honoring sex. Great sex is God-honoring sex. And I know some of y'all sitting there like, no, I've I've had some, some stuff that's crazy. But unless God was a part of it, It was just really good. I'm just going to tell the truth. It was just really good. Great sex is God honoring sex. Get that in your mind. So every time I say that, I want you to flip in and say, whenever I say great sex, you say in your mind, oh, God honoring sex. All right. Now we're past the uncomfortable stuff there. There there, there are four qualities that, that you need to understand. The four qualities of great sex. First thing I want to share with you is this. Great sex starts before the bedroom. Great sex starts before the bedroom. And, and, and before I give you this scripture, I want to put you in the place where, where, where this particular scripture is happening. I want, you to, I want you to go to this place where all of this is getting ready to happen. So, 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 so verse chapter 1, here are these two people madly in love with each other, but they can't get married yet. They can't come together. Solomon and this woman, they, they, they desperately want to be with each other, but, but they can't. That's what chapter one is. And, the, and then chapter two, they finally do get to kind of see each other. And he's made a plan. I want, this is the woman I want. And she's like, yeah, and I want him. And they want to be together, but they can't. So finally, I'm going to skip through. And chapter three, they actually get married. In chapter 3, they actually get married. Now, here we are in chapter 4. Now, let me tell you how, 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 how marriage happened in biblical times according to the Old Testament. There were three phases of it. The first phase was the covenant. It was, it was the man identifying the woman that he wanted to be with. Okay, and, and, and he would go to the father and say, you know what, I want, I want to marry your daughter. And so they made a contract. It was a contract, not a covenant. It was a contract to say, I'm going to marry your daughter. 
And, and if you look at the Old Testament, this contract happened with several different Old Testament people in the Bible. It happened with Jacob. It happened with so many of Abraham. They made a contract to marry a certain woman. The next phase was, 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 was when you consummated your marriage. And this is the part we're going to talk about. Now, just, just to make it understandable, you did not consummate your marriage until you honored the contract. In other words, you met with dad during the contract phase and says, I want to marry your daughter. Dad will say, listen, my daughter, uh, you can marry. But let me tell you, I got four sons. I've got this much land. Because she's a woman, she's not able to work that land. So you're going to have to pay me what I think she would be worth if she was able to help work the land. Because working the land meant this is how we took care of the house. So they would negotiate a fee. Some of y'all know this word as a dowry where they could marry uh, 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 the wife. So you couldn't consummate your marriage until you paid that. You had up till seven years to do that. If you read the Old Testament, you'll see that's exactly what happened with Jacob. Took him seven years to raise enough money to get his wife. Now, here's the part where it gets interesting. Here's the setting. Solomon has got the money. He's ready to fulfill this side, this side of the contract. He's ready to fulfill this and make this woman his wife now. So here they are. This is what normally happens. They go. They're all gathered together at the bride's house. He goes, grabs the bride, the, and, her, and her processional all follow him to his daddy's house. This is how it was done in traditional times. And at the daddy's house, there is a room called the chuppah. The Hebrew word for this room, the chuppah, and this was the bridal chamber. And in the bridal chamber, the bride and the groom would go in this room, and he would be looking at her, and they're prepared to do whatever. And while they're in this room at dad's house, the party is happening outside. We got it backwards, don't we? We get married. We have a reception. We pay for all these people to eat and drink. We're waiting for the clock to die down if we waited, you know, till marriage to make some stuff happen. And you're like, come on, why don't y'all go already? It's time to get it on. Right? We do it backwards. And this time, the party happened while y'all were in the room, in the same house, getting it on. And then after y'all got it on, they would go outside. And everybody like, oh, because they know what just happened. Like, yeah, Sam, woo, my boy. Y'all married now. They celebrated that. And, and, and for the record, the bride did not leave the bridal chamber for seven days. Seven days. And she was excited to do that. This was a part of it. So here they are. Now we get into Scripture. They're in this bridal chamber. And Solomon begins working his magic. He's looking at her. You are beautiful, my darling. Beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. So now he's removing her veil so he can literally see how beautiful this woman is he's going to have for the first time. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Gilead was one of the few places that kept a, a herd of goats. If you had goats from Gilead or sheep or goats from Gilead, you were somebody. Only rich people had goats. Those were the top of the line goats. And he's saying, baby, 
your hair is just as fine and rare and special as the goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Oh, look at your teeth are so white as sheep recently shorn and freshly washed. He is looking at this woman. He is taking her all in. He is building her up because you got to imagine she's got to be afraid. She's never been with the man before. She doesn't know what's supposed to go down or how this is supposed to feel. She doesn't know what to expect. She's got to be nervous. And here he is. Each word tearing down those barriers to get close to her, to make her feel comfortable. He says, each tooth matched with its twins. I mean, can you imagine he's looking at his wife? He's like, oh, my God. And you got pretty, pearly, white teeth. And not only are they pearly and pretty, they're all there. Ooh. That was a big deal back then, right? You got all your teeth. They're pretty. Everything is wonderful. Then he says, your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Her breath must have smelled really good if her mouth was inviting, right? Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. I can imagine in this moment she's blushing a bit because he's throwing on the charm. He's laying it down. She's feeling some kind of way now, and her cheeks are all rosy and red because he's got her blushing at this point. Then he says, he says, he says, your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David, jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes. He's saying, baby, your posture is even perfect. And guys, we got to step our game up. Really, really, we, we, we really do. Imagine if we paused for a moment and began to just spend the day complimenting our wives. Every, every little bit, every little thing. Oh, baby, you look so good today. I bet you, I bet you had a, I bet you, you know, that meeting you had today. Oh, my goodness, I bet you blew them away. I mean, I know your words were so beautiful. I mean, I, I can't imagine how they received your presentation today. You are so amazing. I am so blessed to have you. Here, here, let me, let me cook dinner for you tonight. You know what turns a man on? I mean, you know what turns a man on? Anything. Everything. There's a guy by the name of Gary Smalling. He's a relationship expert. He says this. He says, men are like microwaves. Women are like crockpots. Men are like microwaves. In other words, quick timer, ding, we're ready. Women are like crockpots. When you put something in a crockpot, it cooks all day to delicious perfection. Women, I mean men, we're just... Ding, that's all it takes. Ding, we're ready. We, if, we, if we have an inkling that something is going to go down, we're ready. It doesn't take much. Guys, we have to take our time. We got to work on it. I was told, I'm not sure if this is true, that turn-ons for women are stuff like putting the kids to bed. Oh, hallelujah, somebody. Somebody shouted back there. Uh, I heard that turn-ons for women is like washing dishes. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm, 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 I'm pushing some buttons here. I heard that turn on for women's is fixing stuff around the house. I might get a runner. I might get a runner right there. <laughs> I heard that turn on for women's is taking out the trash without being asked to. Oh, my goodness. 
I don't care how fine you are, my brother. I don't care how tight your game is. You do those things, you don't need to say a word, just do. She's already noticing. She's watching. She's observing. And and he's building her up all day. He's taking his time. And, And when you do that, let me say this. When you do that, you're showing your wife, baby, I got this. We are partners in this thing called life. We are partners in this thing called parenting. We are partners in this thing called marriage. And listen, before you even ask, let me do my part as your partner. This is how you build her up for that moment. All right, all right I'm going to move on. Great sex, great sex starts before the bedroom. Here's the second thing I want to share with you. Watch this. Great sex is passionate. Now, listen, listen. Let me, let me fix this because I know many of y'all have read those Harlequin books and stuff, and the first thing you think is, oh, he threw up against the wall, and he did this, and blah, 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 and all those crazy movies. That's not passion. That's just rough play. Great sex, God-honoring sex is passionate. It's, it's passionate. It's not that wild, that stuff you see in the movies. No, it's passionate. Here, here's what he says. He says in Solomon 4 and 5, he says, Your breasts are like fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle grazing among lilies. Gentlemen, if you were out in the wilderness and by chance you encountered baby deer fawns, would you say, Oh, dear! You would scare them away. And a lot of us, we see our women, our wives, and they're naked. It's like, oh, it's time, huh? It's on, huh? No. You've not built her up. You approach her gently with these words, with the right words. You're affirming her. You're loving her. It's gentle. Passionate is gentle. He's looking at her breast. Remember, he's still in his bridal chamber, and he's observing her. Her teeth are perfect. Her breath smells good. Everything is wonderful. Then Then he works his way down. He says, oh. He didn't just say, oh, my God, tune in to China. He didn't just go for the gusto. He's like, oh, how perfect and beautiful. They're like fawns, and I must approach them gently. He wasn't yelling. He wasn't going at it all rough and all willy-nilly. He approached her gently. Fellas, work on your approach work on your approach. I know that sometimes when, when wifey is cooking or doing something and you just so happen to walk up, you be like, oh, mm, wow, that look good. And you just want to, no, that's not it. Approach her gently. As a matter of fact, I would even dare ask for an invitation to approach her. Because perhaps while she's washing dishes or cooking, she's pissed off about something that happened during the day. And perhaps it has something to do with you. And if so, you're the last person she wants touching her at this time. Gently approach her. And ladies, if I may, because I'm not going to beat up on my brothers all day. Do, do, do all men a huge favor if you're married. Make an approach. That's it. I'll stop there. Make an approach. Do you know that when you initiate 
passion or sex in your marriage? Do you know that when you initiate and make an approach, you are telling your man, not that you just want to be with him, you are telling him, you know what? You are beautiful. I desire you. I want you. I'm fulfilling this marriage obligation, this marriage commitment, not out of obligation, but out of desire. I desire you. When you make an approach, you are telling him in that very moment, I have eyes for you. I want you. I need you. That is a great feeling to a man every man in that moment feels like superman he's got a cape floating in the wind his chest is out he's like man my wife wants me you do that and i guarantee there's no other woman i mean a woman could walk by him butt naked he wouldn't even notice if you do that to him because in that moment he realizes that you only have eyes for him great sex god honoring sex is starts before the bedroom Great sex, God-honoring sex is passionate. I want, to, I want to share this final thought, thought in that section. Fellas, get this. This is really important. And hopefully this helps with your approach. It, it certainly has worked with mine. Watch this. Her emotional needs are just as important as your physical needs. Her emotional needs are just as important as your physical needs. Ladies, His physical needs are just as important as your emotional needs. And I know that that, that for women, for men, we're turned on physically. It's what we see that gets us aroused. It's what we see, smell, sense. That's how men operate. Smell, we're very sensual people, creatures. We smell something, it it arouses us. We see something, it arouses us. A touch arouses us. Uh, Certain scents and flavors and things we taste arouse us. Women are more emotional. That's why you have to build up. That's why they're like crockpots. And so her, so, so you, if you're not feeling her emotional tank, if her emotional tank is empty, chances are y'all are not going to get it on. Real talk. If her emotional tank is empty, don't even attempt build her up. She needs that. She desires that. And on the flip side, ladies, understand the, the, the desire, the physical desire that men have for women, it's God gave that to us. There's a reason why we are constantly, no matter our age, constantly building sperm. We're constantly, that's science right there. Y'all, y'all go back to the book, health class. It's science. We're constantly building sperm and that needs to get out. That's what, that's where that hormone thing is triggered. It's constantly building up in us. And that's that constant desire. Amen. Let's move on. Let's move on. Great sex is built on complete trust. Great sex, God honoring sex is built upon complete trust. Song of Solomon 4, 7. You are all together beautiful, my darling. Beautiful and every way you are all together beautiful my darling beautiful in every way if you all recall back in chapter one what was she saying she told him she says don't look at my skin it's dark it's burnt because i unlike other women i had to actually work in the field don't look at my skin now here he is unclothing her taking off of taking her clothes and her veil and stuff off, and he's looking at her body, and he's saying, you are beautiful. I know you feel some type of way about your skin, but baby, you are beautiful. There is no flaw with you in my eyes. Guys, our wives will have a point where, where they'll have children, right? And, and, and many women, not all, but many women have stretch marks. Their body is not the same. The same way you wooed over her before she had those kids or stretch marks or her body grew a little bit is the same way you have to continue 
continue to woo with her with the new weight and the, 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 the birth uh, defects that, or, or birth uh, stretch marks, sorry about that, that happen as a result of carrying your child. You can't all of a sudden stop wooing, you know, pursuing her because she's not as visibly attractive as you thought she was when you first got with her. She still has to be beautiful. You have to let her know that. You have to build her, baby, you are fine. Ooh, I love those marks on you. Why? Because it tells me you are all woman. And because of those marks, you're the best mom in the entire world. Thank God for your marks. They're beauty marks, baby. You need to be building her up the entire time. And let me say this, women, and this happens to every man. When you get married, men somehow, it's like I do, and all of a sudden your gut says me too, and you gain weight. We get chunky. We get love handles. And let's be honest, some of us feel insecure about it. I know I did for a long time, right? Women, we got to make your husbands feel good too. You know, not all of us are buff and built and working out. Some of us, we've lost it. We don't have that, that shape we had back in college and stuff like that. Make him feel good. Make him feel like he's not God, but a God in your eyes. Oh, my goodness. When God sculpted you, baby, oh, he made it perfect. This season of, your, of the roundness of your abs, oh, that's perfectly beautiful, baby. Let me rub your belly. Make him feel good. Don't make him feel bad because he want an Oreo or something like that. Just make him feel good about it. He's still handsome. He's still the best man for you. But that trust has to feel, you have to feel like no matter what, you, you, you feel comfortable in your own skin. And that's what he's doing, building her up, making her feel good. Listen, let me tell you why you got to do this. The minute your spouse, either the wife or the husband, doesn't feel good about themselves, somebody, I guarantee somebody out there is making her or him feel good. Somebody else is filling that tank. And what I want to share with you all, in marriage, your husband, your wife, your spouse is the only legitimate way to fulfill sex. It's the only way to have in, in your marriage. I don't care who fills you up outside the house. Your wife, your husband, your spouse is the only legitimate way for sexual fulfillment. And so if you're not building your wife up, oh, trust me, some little young fella at the supermarket is telling her, you know, my wife told me, this is the other story I'm going to share with you. I remember one time she went to the supermarket and some little young guy uh, took her, took her, you know, you know, at Publix, they take your stuff to the car. And I don't mind because I don't want her carrying, you know, groceries by herself. I'm like, cool. But then it was the same fella the second time. I'm like, oh, you know, that's fine, you know, whatever. It's, it's cool. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you got a regular guy to take your stuff. Third time, I'm like, man, what's up? What's his name? Point him out. What do he look like? How tall is he? He light-skinned, dark-skinned? What, what do he look like? Because now I got some words for this fella. You know, I'm not worried about him stealing my wife, you know, because I tell my wife how beautiful she is all the time, even if she wears the the raggedy T-shirt. But the bottom line is somebody else is also telling my wife she's beautiful. And if you're not telling your wife at all she's beautiful, that's feeling kind of good that somebody else is. She may go to Publix, not my wife, but I'm just saying in general, now just to get fulfilled by a complete stranger. You need to be constantly 
building that trust up in your spouse, telling them how beautiful they are. You know, I'm going to tell you one, one thing about men, ladies. It's such a huge fallacy when they say a way to a man's heart is through the stomach. That is a bunch of baloney. A way to a man's heart is through his ego. It's through his ego. You know what, you know, you know what makes a man feel good? Affirmation. Affirmation. Oh, my goodness. That makes a man feel great. You tell me that, you know, hey, nobody takes out trash like you do. You have this meticulous way of doing it. There's a rhythm behind the way you take out trash. I'm like, <laughs> any more trash I can take out, baby? You done built me up. I feel good. Uh, no, no, nobody swings a hammer the way you do. Ooh, the way you swing. Swing it again. <clears throat> swing it again. <clears throat> you done built me up. I feel good. I want to build you a house. I don't even know how, but I want to do it now. You've built me up. You tell a husband that, that he's the greatest man ever, that, that, that God, when he created your husband, oh, my God, he, he broke the mold with him. Oh, my goodness, he's got this S on his chest like, yeah, I dare somebody to look my way. It don't get any better than this right here. It's not through the stomach is how you get a man. It's through his ego. Build up his character. Affirm him. Make him feel like he is your true champion. Not your knight in shining armor, but your true champion. Remember, your spouse is the only legitimate way to find sexual fulfillment. Y'all get a chance. I want y'all to check out 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5. Gentlemen, never, ever use this. Do not abuse this scripture, okay? Never abuse this scripture, but here it is. I'm going to share this with you. Husbands should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. This is the Bible. And the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. This is the Bible. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. A lot of men stop before we get to the second part, who gives whose body. And the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Here's the part I want you all to get. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. The only time you should deny each other is when you are both in agreement and it's for prayer. That's Bible, not Broderick, and that's real. Like I said, we're in a sexually driven world right now. If you are in the doggone checkout line at the supermarket, the inquiry, literally, I have to shield my kids while we're in the checkout line because they got magazines and tabloids with, with the Kardashians and everybody else with their booties and the chest and all of this stuff out talking about who got the latest implant, who got this kind of surgery, who's got butt implants. And I'm like, yo, I'm, not, I'm tired of trying to explain this mess to my children. Sex is everywhere. It's in, it's in commercials. It's, it's during kids' shows. It's on, the only place I've not seen something sexually uh, uh, explicit has been PBS. But I've seen it on Nickelodeon, Disney, everything that we let our kids watch. Cartoon Network, forget about it. I'm being very serious. Sex is every freaking where. And this is why we're talking about it in God's eyes today. Because it's every freaking where. It's everywhere. And we have to do this in a godly manner in the context of marriage. Amen? Amen. I didn't mean to make it so quiet in here. <laughs> Ladies, lack of physical intimacy 
is as serious to a man as sudden silence or lack of communication is to you. Just understand that. That's, it's very important. We have to fulfill each other's needs. Here's the fourth and final point. Then I've got a bonus for you I want to share. Four, great sex or God-honoring sex is holy. It is holy. It is holy. I mean, it's so holy that at the end of it, you can say amen. <laughs> Real talk. It's holy. Watch this. You are my private garden, my treasure, my bride, a secluded spring, a hidden fountain. Look at the words he's used. Private, secluded, hidden. He has honored his wife's purity up until this point. He has honored her, her desire to remain pure up until this point. He's kept her secluded. He's protected her, her purity up until this point. He's saying, you are special. Your thighs shelter a paradise of pomegranates with rare spices, henna and nard. He's like, you are rare. Nobody's ever touched you. You are so perfect. You are so wonderful. This is godly because you've waited for this moment. He's honored her purity. He's honored the covenant with God. And now he's saying, because we've honored that, you are all mine, mine alone. Nobody else's. You are mine alone. Great sex is holy. Sex is the means of union in marriage, y'all. Sex is the means of union in marriage. This is where the covenant between husband, wife, and God is sealed. When we get to a place where we consummate our marriage, do you realize the only time that we can be one? We go back to Genesis. You can go back to the very first book where we're supposed to be, where we're husband and wife for one. The only time we can be one, we can put our name on stuff together. We can do all of this stuff. The only time we are one is when we're making love. We become one flesh, one body. That's the only time we are one. And that's the one time that God says that we can become one during the time we consummate our marriage. Let me share this with you real quick, and then we're going to wrap it here. Check this out. Watch this. He does, he does all of this great stuff. They, they become together. They're united as one. Then she says this. She, uh, he says, she says to him in Solomon 4, 16, Awake, north wind. Rise up, south wind. Blow on my garden and spread its fragrance all around the world. Come into your garden, my love. She's telling him, okay, now's the time. We've waited. Let's consummate our marriage. Watch this. God gave us the wonderful gift of sex, not just for procreation. If we read in the Bible, if we read traditional or historic texts about sex, it was always for the purpose of procreation. In this one perfect example, God shares and reveals to us what the gift of sex is for in the context of marriage. It is a gift that's also for recreation. It is meant to be fun and enjoyed by people in the context of marriage. Watch this. When we say recreation, every time that you and your spouse have recreational sex, you are recreating the consummation of your marriage when you did this for the first time as husband and wife. Every time you do this, you are recreating the consummation of your marriage. Wow, that's good. Amen, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. You better preach, boy. You did your research, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Great sex. This is not in your notes, but you can write it down. Great sex is pleasing 
to God. Great sex, God-honoring sex, is pleasing to God. Because when you do that, you are doing what he asked Adam and Eve early on. Go, be fruitful, and multiply. That's one of the things you're fulfilling when you do that. You are replenishing his land. Here's the second thing you're doing. Recreationally. Watch this. You are recreating the covenant that you made between your spouse and God every single time you make love. It's not just to procreate. It's always also to recreate that covenant that you made with God between a husband and a wife. Amen? Amen? Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.